0: and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick. Great to be back on the mic with you. I talked my oldest born son into coming on and doing a podcast with us. Craig Nimnick is going to be on with us. Uh, he's my 15-year-old son. Um, he's been shooting coyotes since he was five, been coyote hunting with me since he was about three. So uh, figured it'd be fun to have him on. You know, I really want to talk about kids and coyote hunting and how to get kids involved in coyote hunting and kind of how I got my boys started in coyote hunting and kind of give you an idea from a kid's perspective. And I'm going to let Creighton talk a lot about, you know, what he's learned and what he's liked about coyote hunting, what he's disliked about coyote hunting. Uh, let him tell a few of his stories, come of his most memorable stories. Um, obviously his first coyote was, was memorable to me. I remember, it, you know, it was 10 years ago and I remember it just like it was yesterday. Um, but, uh, should be a fun episode. Him and I were actually just down in Texas filming uh, for a last stand episode um, and he was able to kill his first bobcat ever. So, uh, I know that was exciting for him. He's going to tell about tell the story about that as well. But uh, before we get going, I uh, want to take a minute to thank partner of this episode, which is 6 Hour Optics. Now, Optics is huge to me. Uh want to talk to you a little bit about the scope I'm running. Um, I'm running the Sierra 6 BDX. I'm running a 5 to 30 by 56 Now, some people may that may be a lot of a lot of scope for a lot of people um, but i'm the type of guy i want magnification you know coyote is a very small target um, and having that 6x magnification is huge you know i can run my scope down to 5 even though i personally don't you know i always keep my scope about 10 power but i have the ability if i have a coyote checked up out there at 250 350 yards 400 yards whatever it may be i can zoom that scope in Um, And I have that ability, you know, and and to me that having that 6x and it's something you're starting to see quite a bit across the board, just in optics in general, um, having that magnification, but having that 6x is huge, you know, you may be in the market, you know, you may like running a little bit lower magnification. um, So something like that may be perfect for what you're doing. And then of course, it has the BDX capabilities. To it where I can Bluetooth that to my rangefinder and Bluetooth that into my app and my phone, and it downloads all my ballistic data. And then all I have to do is punch a range with my Kilo 3000 rangefinder. The dot comes up on the crosshair, um, and I hold on the dot and, and squeeze the trigger. So excited to use that more. Like, I, like I've said on previous podcasts, I didn't get a whole lot of chance to use it towards the end of coyote season before I finished up. Um, so I'm excited you know, as the fall of twenty twenty two comes around to be able to uh, you know, use this for a full season and really, you know, really put it to the test and be able to talk to you guys more about how this system is going to make you a better coyote hunter. So if you're in the market uh looking at some new optics, whether it's a scope, whether it's a pair of range binoculars, or even just a rangefinder, even a reflex site, uh, you can visit Sigsour.com. Well, Creighton, welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast, buddy. Thanks. Thanks. See, I know this is your first podcast you've ever done. You're supposed to say, thanks, (laughs) man. Thanks for great. Great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, okay. Now this works. Uh, Yeah. Well, I thought it'd be fun to get you on here, man. Um, You know, by most people's standards, you're pretty much at this point in your young life, you're you're pretty much like a coyote killing veteran at this point. Uh, You just turned 15, right? Yep. Been scaring the living hell out of me, driving vehicles around with your learner permit <laughs> <laughs> um but you know let's give everybody a little background on your uh, your short illustrious coyote hunting career tell us um, when you got started hunting coyotes if you can even remember back that far
1: oh god i i couldn't tell you i don't know was it two or three four three four something like that
0: do you do, i'm gonna ask you this because i went through a lot of work when you were like three years old and I would give you piggyback rides in and out of stands oh, all yep. day long, working my butt off. You probably don't even remember those, do you?
1: Some of them, not all of them. Some of them.
0: So you're telling me yeah, it was all worth, It was all for nothing? All that hard work, sweat, and tears I I poured into that.
1: Well, some of them.
0: What do you but remember? I wouldn't say, remember I wouldn't say it was them? for
1: nothing. yeah, not really. I just remember the the fact of you giving me a piggy ride, piggyback ride in and out of stands. And yeah,
0: that's <laughs> all, that's, I all, that's is, all I can remember. Good thing. You're not as big as your younger brother. Oh God, so That doesn't work out real well when you're a hundred pound five-year-old, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so, so for those that have listened to this podcast, you kind of, you've heard me talk about my boys before Creighton's my oldest three boys. Um, just turned 15. You know, all my boys shot their first coyotes when they were five, they all killed their first coyotes on video, which was just a cool, feather in my cap. I yeah, I don't know. It's just a, a weird thing, a goal I've always had. Uh, you know, when we first started having kids. Um, Creighton, your first coyote was actually on my last DVD I ever put out. I think it was called the Coyote Craze Fur Fever in 2012. Yep. Walk me through your first coyote ever, if you can even remember back that far.
1: Oh God. So though what I remember about that day is it was cold as hell and I'm freezing because I'm only five. Yeah, but I got a lot of warm gear on, and we were yeah, it was set up. Part, it, was, it was. It
0: was like the first part of January.
1: Yeah, it was cold. And we were set up kind of on this flat, and then it and it there's a bottom probably 300 yards out in the distance with some pine trees and stuff. And what was it about? I can't remember how f- far it was into the stand. But then this coyote come running along out of this bottom, and he was coming across this flat pretty good. And then the one thing that I really remember is he stopped and he pissed right there, right before I shot him.
0: <laughs> I remember and, that too.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's it's all on film. And then he came in probably, what, 80, 70 yards, something like that. Yep. Put the hammer on him.
0: Well, if you remember right, I didn't that coyote actually stop and we couldn't quite get the shot on it, turned around and started leaving back towards the fence?
1: No, I, it, I don't know. And it stopped. I, I couldn't you know, tell you. If I remember right, I think, that's,
0: I think that's what happened on that coyote. You know, I might have to go back and watch that at all. You know, yours, the other two brothers, you know, coyotes are on YouTube. You know, yours yeah. never got put on YouTube since it was on the DVD. But I'm going to have to go back and yeah. look at Old that timer. To, to to check that out. But uh, do you remember what gun you were shooting?
1: Yeah, it was the the same one Colton killed his with, but it was a kind of outdated red dot where you could change the colors. That's, that's what I found. The coolest on that gun you know being yeah, so five it's... you could change it from red to green to i don't remember the other color but there was three. Oh, blue i think blue is the other one
0: yeah yeah so. so i want to tell everybody about this rifle it was a custom rifle i had built specifically so my boys could shoot coyotes with it and it was a, a savage model either a model 10 or a model 110 youth it was a 223 and even a youth gun is obviously way too big for like a five-year-old to shoot so I remember having a you guys had this play gun, toy gun sitting at the house that you would run around the house and shoulder it, and it fits you just perfect. So I remember going down to this gunsmith and taking this this youth rifle and then taking this toy gun to him and say, hey, what would it take to get this real gun to the size of this toy gun? And he said, I can probably get it pretty close. So he ended up taking this rifle. He cut the barrel down to 16 inches and threaded it. Um, so that we could shoot a suppressor on there. He also took the stock and cut it down to about a 12-inch length of pull. He did put an adjustment in there, so, uh, you know, as you guys got older, you could adjust the stock out to maybe 14, 15 inches length of pull. He took the wrist of the stock and and ground it down so it was a a lot narrower so you guys could fit your little hands around there. And then for an optic, um, you know, it's tough for, if you've never shot guns, to try to figure out eye relief on a scope. Yeah. So I just mounted a red dot scope on there, a little red dot sight. Uh, eventually, I don't know, eventually the first one I had on there, but eventually, as your younger brother shot coyotes, I, I put a Burris Fastfire 3 on there and a 3 MOA red dot.
1: Yeah, the first one was like one of those little barrel sights. Yeah, it was a red dot, dot one of it was the, the older little ones. cheaper version.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that worked out great because you, you don't have to worry about eye relief. You don't have to worry about the dot being centered perfectly in the screen. All you have to do is is tell the kids, hey, just put the red dot right on the shoulder of the coyote and and shoot. And the cool part about that Savage gun is it had an Accu trigger, so we were yep. able to shoot a pretty light trigger. In the way that those Accu triggers work is you depress you know that centerpiece, and as soon as it be, you know flushes up with the trigger, you know at that point it's just a slight little squeeze, and the gun's going off. Right. Yep. You know, probably the the big thing was you know I wanted to I wanted the boys to be able to shoot a rifle or a caliber that that would kill coyotes. Um, you know, a 22 long rifle, I mean, you would have to hit a coyote just perfect. And obviously, being five-year-old, six-year-old kids, I knew the shot placement wasn't always going to be perfect. So, um, you know, I, I really liked the idea that we could shoot a, two, shoot a 223. Now, the whole the whole th- piece of that puzzle that made it all possible was the suppressor because, um, you know, even a 223 does doesn't have a lot of recoil, but it's going to be loud. And when you put that suppressor on there, obviously, it knocked the sound way down. But, uh, but it also knocked the recoil way down. So this is a fun little gun to shoot. It's like pulling the trigger on a 22 long rifle. So they didn't have to worry about recoil. Yeah. You know, you as a, a five-year-old didn't have to worry about a loud bang. And you're able to focus on that red dot and, and shoot coyotes.
1: Yeah, that's that's why I've enjoyed shooting guns with suppressors. It's just it's so much more quieter and the recoil is not as bad. Even though on a 223, like you said, the recoil wouldn't be as bad. But just the suppressor, it's, it's a lot of fun to shoot.
0: I know you guys are like uh, suppressor snobs now. It's like you guys get grumpy anytime anybody goes hunting with us that doesn't have a suppressor.
1: Yeah, it kind (laughs) of sucks. (laughs) Uh,
0: You know, so, so starting these boys off, you know, we'd go to the range and, you know, I would buy um, these coyote life-size targets. We did a lot of shot, shot a lot of them, you know, from 50 to a hundred yards. We would shoot balloons. I would take old uh, just practice arrows stick them in the ground and blow up a balloon to maybe eight inches or so in diameter and then hook the balloons on those uh the knocks knock. of the arrows you know and let yeah. you guys shoot those
1: and yeah, um, we still do that today
0: yeah yeah that's a great tool great tool but essentially i just wanted to get them familiar with being able to move the gun a little bit get on target um, because if you've coyote hunted, you know you, there's not a lot of time you know coyotes aren't standing there forever so you know yeah. you got to get familiar with it yeah. so so over the years You've been on lots of different coyote hunts over the oh, last yeah. 10 years. Any particular ones that stand out more than others?
1: You know, the the day that we killed 18 coyotes at the Best of the West contest, that's probably the one that sticks out the most cuz, you know, obviously that's the biggest number that I've been on. But there's been a couple other like, I don't know, some of the ones, some of the hunts that we've been on that are like the where we're hunting is pretty cool, like I don't know for instance like if we're hunting up like cedar canyon something like that where there's all those trees and and the the canyons and stuff i really like hunting that yeah and then and then i like colorado too colorado's like it's just all that farm ground out there that you're hunting and yeah it's just like the coyotes come out of nowhere pretty much you're like how are they even out here
0: what about hunting with rick you've had a chance to hunt with him a few times yeah that, that that
1: stuff that stuff's cool too like I like the close quarter stuff where it's like, you know, it's the, the, the ag surrounded by just the wild forest around it. You know, it's, it's pretty cool down there. And you never know where the coyote's going to come from too. And you don't see them till they're a hundred yards out. So it's, it's, it's a bit of an adrenaline rush.
0: What's the, uh, what's the, you've hunted with Rick Pallette a few times. What's the funniest story you have about Rick?
1: Oh God. Um, I don't know, probably when we were sitting in this house that night <laughs> and he uh he chased Carver around with his goose head that we brought him to feed <laughs> feed his stuff. So <laughs> that was that was funny. And Carver's screaming and crying, running around the couches and stuff. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah.
0: It's always it's always fun hunting with Rick. It's there's never a yeah. dull moment, that's for sure. Yep. What um how many, have you been keeping track? I I, don't, I haven't been, but how many different states have you been able to hunt coyotes in now?
1: Um, I think five. What, states? what states? Name them off. Uh, Montana, or like hunted in or killed a coyote in.
0: Well, did did some of those states you didn't get a coyote killed?
1: Uh, yeah, there's one. Just South Dakota. We never killed one. I never killed one there.
0: Gotcha. On you that made one some there. coyote stands yes. there anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we for hunted anyway we got uh south dakota montana texas which was this year wyoming nebraska colorado and i think that's it oh kansas oh in kansas yep Dang. but and then i've i've only not killed a cow in just one of those states which is south dakota
0: heck yeah it's pretty good any uh any one of those states you like better than the others
1: you know i i like texas that stuff was cool all the mesquite like the tall mesquite and stuff but i think i i just like nebraska more than all of them you know the the sagebrush or not sagebrush but the yuccas and just the hills and stuff and then and then especially when we get down on those frozen lakes and stuff and you watch the coyotes come across those i know they have them up there in south dakota and stuff too but you know i've never been on that so i that's why i think it's the coolest
0: Oh yeah. Watching coyotes come across the ice is, is awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like the transformation for me from, from Nebraska to Texas was almost like the United States to Africa. It's just so much more different down there and the way they hunt coyotes.
0: Well, we're going to talk about that here at the end. You and I were just in Texas here a few weeks ago. We're going to talk about that hunt specifically here, here in a little bit. So as a kid growing up hunting coyotes, you know, you've had a chance now to, to hunt a lot of different things right turkeys deer waterfowl, pheasants i mean are you still you still thinking coyote hunting's number one or or not yeah i
1: just it's coyote hunting is is so much more different than any of those other ones you get it's it's so much more of an adrenaline rush like waterfowl hunting it's 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 fun but it's it's not as as thrilling as coyote hunting can be you know you're sitting in a warm pit and you know the the birds are flying around you and you can see birds and unlike cow hunting where you might not go all day without seeing one you know and when you do see one it's it's the biggest adrenaline rush compared to those other ones and i think i think turkey hunting was cool but i didn't i did my turkey i didn't get the chance to you know see him strut in and you know call him in with with calls and stuff so
0: yeah i remember that you just ambushed that sucker
1: yeah i stalked him
0: <laughs> hey you gotta do it sometimes you know
1: <laughs> yeah it doesn't help the fact that he was crippled but
0: <laughs> you did him a favor see somebody yeah. else had shot him the week prior you know you just finished yeah. him off <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so you've been part of some coyote contests yep you know um tell me about those what what uh, compare compare uh, to when you get to hunt a coyote contest with myself or your brother um and some of the other guys that we get to hunt with you know compare that to just a normal day of coyote hunting
1: um it's it's a lot more a, a contest hunting compared to normal hunting contest hunting is a lot more rushed and i i'm competitive i'm really a competitive person so i like hunting contests but it it can be a lot sometimes especially when you when you're running in and out of stands like the like the ones where you have to be back by a certain time or first one to check in wins yeah you know that that's that's a bit of a rush and you know, it's a lot of fun. I like doing contests.
0: Even with me yelling at y'all all day saying, hurry the hell up. <laughs> You're too slow.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> what about the shooting side on contests? Do you get do you get more nervous when we're in a contest and you know you've shot a lot of contest coyotes?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, did you get more nervous or no? Is it have you shot enough coyotes um, at this point where it's just like- shooting another coyote?
1: Yeah, I feel like if you in a contest, if you think it's different, then it's going to be a lot different in the way you perform. So I just I just treat it as just a normal coyote. You know, you still got to be patient. You're not trying to rush anything, because that's how that's how a lot of guys mess up. You know, they try to rush it, or they they feel like that this one is so important, and then they end up like throwing it. So I think you, I don't. You,
0: what about you and your brother racing to try to shoot coyotes? When you guys start talking. Crap to each other about who's going to shoot coyotes and stuff like that.
1: Oh God! And, that's, then, and that, then you end
0: up rushing and because one of you is trying to shoot it out from in front of the other one.
1: I don't remember a time where it's been me racing to the coyote, but there's been a couple times where Carver, you know, he shot shot coyotes out from underneath me <laughs> and stuff, <laughs> and it, it kind of it it gets to you after enough, you know.
0: <laughs> well, especially you know,
1: in a that's- contest. I know in a contest, you know, you're a team, but still, it kind of pisses you off here and there when he shoots it out from underneath you, and then and then he rubs it in your face on top of that.
0: Um, well, Nor, yeah. Well, if you're around coyote hunters enough, that's just part of the game, you know. Even Rick and I will yeah. banter about that, or anybody else <laughs> I hunt with, yeah. you, you know, tease each other about, hey, you better hurry up, or I'm going to shoot the coyote out from front of you, you know. But yeah, you'll have your chances. Normally, you're pretty good. You usually give Carver the easy layup shots, you know. Yeah, and then you'll you'll cover that now now that you're getting older how do you like you know for for many years you guys would sit right with me and I would kind of walk you through things and and you know you'd shoot the coyotes that right out front and somebody else would be covering the downwind well over the last couple years you know you've you've been expanding your coyote hunting knowledge a little bit and you know covering the downwind by your by yourself you you like that more or less or how's that going?
1: I think, I think the downwind's fun, especially when, you know, we do it without radios. I think that's fun because, because every time you shoot something, nobody really knows what happens until after you're explaining it to them. So I, th- I think it's fun, but, you know, sitting with, sitting with you has taught you everything you need to know about the downwind, being patient, you know, using your knees as a rest and, and just walking through all the, the fundamentals of shooting off of shooting stakes, you know.
0: Now, I know why you like the downwind, though, so nobody's looking. So if you happen to miss a 100-yard broadside coyote and nobody sees you, then you tell everybody it was like a 350-yard running shot?
1: No, I I have yet to do that. (laughs) I have yet to do that.
0: Well, you haven't learned enough about coyote hunting yet. If nobody saw it happen and you happen to miss, well, you got got to make up some crazy story to say, oh, well, okay, no big deal. You know, it was a hard shot. (laughs) Don't tell everybody it was the easiest layup shot and you just choked it, you know?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I have yet to do that, but I know, I know it'll, it'll come one day and then I'll, I'll choke and then make up some crazy story about it. But.
0: (laughs) So, so what do you like most about coyote hunting?
1: Uh, probably the adrenaline rush and like the excitement of, of seeing one and, you know, watching them come in is pretty cool sometimes, especially like in Wyoming and stuff. And even in Nebraska, you can see them come for so long and you just get to shake in and you get, you get buck fever, but it's for me, it's like 10 times more severe than, <laughs> than a deer.
0: <laughs> they call it fur fever. Fur fever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Anything you don't like about coyote hunting? There's gotta be something.
1: Um, You know, sometimes the weather, the weather's a little bit crappy and I know it, it's not always fun to like hunt coyotes and sit out there in the cold in snow sometimes when it's you know not even above zero which is we've that's happened to us a couple times but other than that I can I can't really find anything that I I dislike about it.
0: You don't mind the walking and you know all that all that work. No.
1: No, I could care less about that. Especially especially if you're dragging a cow behind you the whole time.
0: So that's true. If it's one of those good days yeah i always tell people you guys have been on like guided coyote hunt your whole life you know <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what it's been right I mean, yeah they're...
1: i've only i've only called in well i would i would consider i've only called in three coyotes so far so and not terrible but
0: yeah you're so what right you mean by it, it that is been. when you were actually running the remote that's what you're talking yeah. about
1: yeah yeah
0: so let's yeah let's tell everybody about that so this past fall um Creighton and Carver and myself and buddy of mine, Brett Rye from Sterling, Colorado. Uh, We're in the Wyoming best of the best state championship hunt out in uh, Rock Springs, Wyoming. And it's a five and five contest, meaning you got to kill at least five coyotes the first day. And then the second day it's the team that kills an additional five coyotes and is the first to check in. Well, we had a pretty phenomenal morning. um, and, And we got checked in just shortly around lunchtime with our second set of five coyotes so the actual check-in time wasn't until maybe six o'clock that afternoon so we had the whole afternoon to kill so you know obviously there's tons of public land around that that country um so the boys were kind of talking smack about how they wanted to go out and run the remote and and of course i'm talking smack that they don't even know what to do (laughs) how to even push the button so so uh we took them out and we just kind of got on a road i was using onyx maps we just found a, a chunk of public we'd never been to, and I said, "All right, boys, here we go. You guys tell me where you want to go, where you want to set up, and I'll just drive." And sure enough, what what stand was that? It was like our second stand of the afternoon. Oh God,
1: no, that was that was a lot longer. So right after we got done with checking, you know, we went and ate, and then like you said, we were talking specs. So then we run out, I think, south of where we were, and and then we started making you know little stands where you know. You and Brett would stay in the car, and then me and Carver would just walk, I don't know, 200 yards probably, and then just find a couple stage to sit behind, and make sure we weren't skylined and all that, and then we would just call, and yeah, and then what was, it was probably our fourth or fifth stand, I think. It was a few, and, and then that was the stand you and Brett actually decided to come with us.
0: We decided, yeah. Because you guys were getting jump.
1: tired, and you were just sitting there behind me with your gun, and it was... I don't know, the last 30 seconds, probably I was going to sit there on that stand, probably 10 minutes in, and I don't remember what sound I was playing. I think I was playing a coyote fight, and lo and behold, these two coyotes come rushing over the hill straight at us, and then they stop, and me and Carver double-tap the first one, and then I got the second one running away. So wow. that was pretty cool.
0: No, I missed the coyote yeah. like twice running, and then you rolled. I had him in my scope just getting ready to shoot the third time when you rolled him up, so yeah you killed him before i did
1: yeah and then and then the the year prior to that one in in the same contest we went out the afternoon after we had checked in and then we called one in but he he went up in the sagebrush and sat out there probably the whole stand for uh, about 350 yards and i took one poke at him but i didn't hit him
0: yeah that was a tip that was a typical public land maybe pressured excuse me pressured coyote
1: Yeah, you know, he was not having it.
0: He he came close enough to take a look, but that was about it. Yep, <clears throat> that's pretty cool. That uh, but in my defense, I mean, I think I gave you the recipe, didn't I? As far as what what sounds you needed to play.
1: Um, I think so. I mean, <laughs> you were you were telling me to play the screaming chicken, so I played that <laughs>
0: screaming chicken.
1: And then, and then you were telling me to play some other heavy wind sound or no, it was light wind stuff. And then I said, screw you essentially. And I put on a coyote coon fight. And that's when those two came in. That's so, good. but, well, but that, that one that sat out there, that was the first stand that I ever made, you know, running the remote and you were telling me what to do.
0: So. It's a little different in it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot easier just to sit there with your rifle and look for coyotes. But now when you start incorporating <laughs> in having to run the remote and deal with coyotes as, as coyotes start showing up. You got to know what to do with the remote as far as maybe hitting a preset to, to get the coyotes to stop, you know, yeah. when to shoot. Do we need to switch to a little coaxer sound to get them closer if they're checked up? It adds adds a lot of dimension to it, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it gets it gets a lot harder, you know, when you start having to run the call. But it's, I'm, I'm glad that you have the the presets set on your call, so they your remote. So all you have to do is just push that little button in it, and it barks them. Cause I, I think I actually hit that on that double that came running in yeah. and that's why they stopped because they were running so fast. It was kind of ridiculous.
0: Well, you were running the lucky duck revolt, um, you know, and it has yep. four presets on the, on the remote. So number, my number one preset is, is a female challenge bark howl and, you know, I'll hit that to try to get them to stop. You know, ultimately, like I tell people when, when you have the call out away from you, you know the focus of that coyote coming to the call is on that sound it's not on you sitting off on the sideline so if i can get the coyote to stop by using the call that's that's the best case scenario as soon as i have to start barking and yelling from where i'm sitting guess what the coyote's gonna do look it up at you he's gonna look over at us and you've seen it before what usually happens when you start barking at them when they look up at you
1: they look up at you and then they just take off as fast <laughs> as their little legs can carry
0: them. Yeah. So, you know, if you can get them stopped, uh, you know, with the call, that's, that's key. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I need to take a second to tell you a little bit about swagger bipods. Now, if you follow the podcast for any amount of time, or even our last stand YouTube series, you know, that's my go-to bipod system for consistently putting bullets in coyotes. Now in coyote hunting, things happen fast and you need to be able to maneuver your rifle, and get on target quickly. And that's exactly what the Swagger bipod system will allow you to do. Now, if you're in the market for one, you'll notice they have a 129 version, a 142 version, as well as a QD42 and a QD72. All the numbers refer to is how tall the bipod gets. If you want to run what I run, I run the 142. So if you're in the market for a new bipod system, visit swaggerbipods.com. Now, back to the podcast. So you've been getting in, so you've been shotgunning some coyotes lately. So for those who don't know, you know, Creighton shoots on the the high school trap team. Um, he's a freshman, been doing competitive trap shooting now for the last couple, couple seasons. Um, so you kind of like this shotgun thing, huh? Yeah.
1: The, the shotgun, it's a lot different than, than a rifle. You know, obviously it's, it's different in the way that, that the projectiles come out in in pellets and your range the range that you have on a shotgun is a lot less limited, and you know, on the the one day we were hunting with that rancher guy, you know, you sat me down right right in in the rushes, and it was probably twenty five yards to the other side, and then that cow came in and, and then it gives you, I feel like shotgun, it gives you a lot more of a dr- adrenaline rush than than a rifle does, because with a rifle you get to see them coming from a long ways, but with a shotgun when you're sitting right next to the call, maybe in some tall grass and you're kind of laid back you can't really see so
0: yeah and what and what creighton's referring to is a lot of times in our more wide open country when we're trying to get a specific shotgun kill you know i call we're gonna put the shotgun shooter right down in the hole with the call and where you know the rifle shooters are gonna try to get some sort of elevation however much elevation that may be but the shotgun guy i'm getting them tucked right down because we don't have a lot of cover you know, when we're trying to shotgun coyotes here in Nebraska, we just don't have the cover to, to really get hidden well. So a lot mm-hmm. of times I'll specifically put that call in a place where the shotgun guy is not going to have great visibility, meaning he's not going to see the coyote until it comes over a little rise, maybe 30 or 40 yards in front of him, which means the coyote's not going to spot him, you know, close, you know, when it comes over that hill either. So um, it allows him to get a little closer. Uh, do you remember your first shotgun coyote?
1: Yeah, I do. We were at the, one of your buddies, Wade, that day, and he was, he was probably 200 yards, you know, on the downwind side, and I was sitting in this little bowl with, like, this, this tall kind of yellow grass, and there was a little bit of sage and a, a yucca behind me, and that, I, we saw that cow come from a long ways, and he was hauling, he, he probably came from 350 yards out, and it was kind of flat, but not really, but then when he come down, I, 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 drew on him and then shot him right in the head so it was pretty cool
0: when it comes when you say drawn on coyotes what have you learned with coyotes like when when they get to shotgun range you know when they get within Um, that 30 40 yards what can you do what can't you do when they get that close
1: uh you can't you can't move your feet a lot that's that's what i've noticed like if you start moving your feet you know getting ready for them that's why that's why in the beginning of the stand you always set up for where where you think they're going to come from and if they come from where you're not set up for, you have you know a plan B pretty much. And if you start moving your feet and moving the grass or whatever you're sitting in in front of you, they're going to see that, and then they're going to take off running, and you're not really going to get a shot at them.
0: So you, you're just kind of snap shooting them. I mean, you're just kind of holding still till the coyote gets yeah, right to the until, last minute, and then you're right, just swinging up at once and just trying to blast them.
1: Yeah. That there's there's that one moment where you feel like yeah i better get him killed you know before before anything happens or or when you want to kill him and you know he's in range then then you can pull on but i i like to let him get as close as possible you know before i i draw on him so it's 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 a lot harder than a rifle you know where you're already set up waiting for him you know with the with the sticks
0: oh you're starting to sound like dustin patterson now (laughs) that's shooting with the shotgun is so much harder Come on. You got like a thousand pellets flying out there in a four foot pattern. Now, How hard is it to kill them?
1: Well, you got to let them get close, <laughs> like really close, uh, like almost licking your toes close. That's
0: right. <laughs> you shot them for a lot of years with a 20 gauge. Um, I yeah. think you had some some three inch. I think yeah, that was I had, my first ever. four buck. I think maybe can't remember what you were shooting them with.
1: It was it was that the double B.B coyote something
0: or it might i might know been bb something like that i can't remember yeah. but just for christmas you finally got your first 12 gauge semi-auto yep. what is that a fronky it's a fronky yep yeah yeah so this season you've been uh been able to shotgun them with that you like shooting that 12 gauge a little bit better For coyotes? yeah
1: the, the 20 is it was just too small is is really and and it kicked it kicked a lot more since it was a smaller lighter gun but this, this 12 gauge that I have now, it's, it's so much better. The coals better and it's, it's bigger. It fits me better. So.
0: Well then too, you know, we got, you know, for any shotgun stuff, we shoot those Hornady three inch BBs. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a inexpensive shotgun round compared to some of the, the coyote loads out there, but man, I'll tell you, we've had some great luck with it. You know, it's copper plated BB pellets, you know, on a three inch, I don't know. you i don't know exactly how many pellets but you know 40 50 60 maybe if i had to guess yeah um you know and, and it hammers them man Yeah. you never did pattern your shotgun with it though what choke what choke were you shooting in that fronky with those loads all right
1: a full full choke
0: you're shooting a full choke sometimes we yep. need to pattern that remind me next next fall we need to take that shotgun out and pattern it with those because what i found on my benelli when i shoot those loads is my improved modified choke actually patterns better than a full choke because those hornady rounds have that um wad in them and it's kind of a weird looking reverse style of wad it's designed to hold the pellets in a tighter pattern in the wad as it comes out of the shotgun so we might have to try that maybe we'll get uh yeah. you know maybe a little bit better pattern
1: mm-hmm. yeah because we we do that out at the trap range too you know to see see which chokes we need to use and and just to see what our patterns like with each choke. And oh yeah that's it can, it can be really vital to your shooting. So
0: well oh, it's important to kind of cause every gun shoots those rounds just a little bit different, don't they? Yep. So next January you're gonna turn sixteen. You're gonna yep. have have a little freedom to to maybe start doing <laughs> some hunting on your own. What yep. your you got any big plans for uh, for coyote season i know your brother and, and you've been talking a lot of smack about getting in contests and competing against me eh. and things like that what uh, what's got any big plans in store
1: um i don't know i'll probably probably more focus on turkey hunting a little more probably and because because you and carver always focus on baseball at that time so I'll probably focus on that a little bit more and and maybe do some deer hunting, but I, I don't think deer hunting's as hard as any of those other ones. So I don't know. I haven't really got any plans, but we'll we'll just have to see. Also oh, now that I'm
0: calling now that I'm calling you out on this podcast, nobody wants to talk smack anymore about teaming up and taking me down.
1: Taking you down?
0: Yeah. That's you and your brother oh. talk smack all season about doing that
1: that's that's not me that's that's just carver (laughs) oh
0: oh but but remember what i told you you're gonna have to find your own places to hunt i'm not gonna let you go on to my stuff and screw it up yep because i was 16 even though you have a lot more experience hunting coyotes as i did when i was 16 you're gonna educate some coyotes yeah i don't want you educating all my coyotes (laughs)
1: yeah Well, some of my friends have good ranches and stuff that I'll hunt with them and, you know, farms and stuff. So, yeah, it won't be all bad, but I have to spend a day out there knocking on doors and stuff trying to get
0: permission. For sure. That's what it takes, man. You got to have lots of places to call coyotes, man. Yep. So if you were talking to some of your buddies or some other kids about coyote hunting, any advice that you'd give them as a as a kid, you know, going out coyote hunting? Um,
1: you know, I've taken, I've taken, we've taken two of my friends so far, coyote hunting and they, they did not expect what it was going to be like, you know, one of them thought that it was going to be like deer hunting where you're just going to hike around and spot one and then stock it. And the other one he's used to, you know, waterfowl hunting and stuff. And he didn't, he didn't really know what to expect, you know, sitting there in the cold and, you know, being readied at all times and, you know, shooting sticks and stuff. So it's, it's a lot different and you just got to be patient. That's like the number one thing. If you try to shoot them when they're too far out there, or if they're coming good, then it's, it's probably not going to work out the best for you.
0: Yeah, that's good advice. Good advice. Now, if you were talking to an adult that was wanting to take their kid coyote hunting, any advice you'd give them, the adult on taking a kid coyote hunting?
1: Uh, make sure they pack enough clothes. <laughs> especially if it's going to be cold. Look at the weather. That's so you're saying you've been on stand before
0: where you've been a little, I didn't pack good enough for you.
1: No, you didn't. It's probably my fault that I didn't pack, but I don't, I don't know if there's ever been a time where we haven't packed good. Cause you know, you, when you're hunting, you always want to overpack And You know, you want to dress in layers cause you can always shed off layers, but you can't magically have more appear, you know? So that's, that's, that's what I would recommend because, if you're taking a, if you're taking a kid out for, for his first time, you know, coyote hunting, and it's cold, and and he doesn't have you know the stuff that he needs, or she doesn't have the stuff that he needs, then it's probably not going to be very enjoyable for them.
0: What about that snack tote I carry? How important is that?
1: <laughs> well, it's not that important because when I'm hunting, I you know I don't really eat as much, but you know, it's it's nice to have. You don't. Yeah, your brother, were, your brother,
0: your younger brothers, though they they really take advantage of that snack tote.
1: Yeah, like Carver with his encrustables. <laughs> Kids, <are> menace. <laughs> uh,
0: so, a couple weeks ago, you got a chance to go down to Texas with me. It, yep. it was kind of a cool trip because it was my first trip ever to Texas, and I'm 43 years old. And It was your <laughs> first trip to Texas, and you're 15, so we got to experience it together. Um, we were filming for Last Stand episode. It'll be the grand finale of season four, episode ten. Um, if you want to watch this, go to the the Lucky Duck YouTube channel, and you can find it there. But what were some of your expectations? Obviously, you you watch YouTube and you've seen Texas and uh, this yep. and that. What were some of your expectations before we even went down to Texas?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't really have like super high expectations because you know it's new country. But I've seen people down there you know, killing hundreds of hogs and, and all this stuff. And I, I thought that there was going to be hogs on about every ranch and they were going to be thick, but it really wasn't like that. We saw a bunch of dead ones on the on the road coming back and going there. But the, the hogs weren't like I expected. And then the deer, you know, you see all these people killing these giant deer down there, you know. But I guess those are all on high fence ranches usually, so it was a little bit different. And then, and then the predator hunting, you know, I knew there was Bobcats down there and then that was my, that was my number one goal was to get to it, to get a Bobcat.
0: Cause but you'd never kill a Bobcat. Have, have, you've only no. ever probably, how many on stand, how many have you ever seen total?
1: Probably I think two. No two total. Yeah. Two cause one in Wyoming and then one with that one guy that day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cooling the buddy. So, yeah. So, so your goal was to kill a Bobcat. Other than yep. that, that was really about it, right?
1: And, and get a coyote. That was like the secondary Yeah, role. so you could
0: add Texas to your list? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was mine, too. I was hoping to add Texas yeah. to my list, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so to set the uh, the hunt up, we were hunting with a guy named Wade Chandler. He actually runs Texas Predator Hunting on Facebook, um, works for a company called Ally Outdoors. They run Ally Munitions. Wade's actually been on the podcast earlier, uh, maybe episode eight, nine, somewhere in there talking about texas predator hunting so um after that podcast we got to talk and i thought you know what it'd be kind of fun to go down there and and experience texas so we went down it was the it was the first week in march and obviously we knew the weather is going to be a factor because it was starting to get nice um but uh, we met up with wade in midland which is kind of considered west texas and um you know what was the first thing you saw when we, when we pulled up to Wade's house and you saw the toad, Creighton?
1: Oh, God, that was Explain to everybody
0: cause... what the toad was.
1: So you were telling me about this, this, these trucks that these guys have down here on the, on the way there, and then we pull up into this guy's front yard, and there's one of them just sitting out in all of its glory, right, right smack dab in, in his driveway. And, I mean, this thing dwarfed your truck. It is, it is huge. <laughs> and it's a big six door pickup, and even the camera guys didn't believe it. You know, it, it was just ridiculous. And then he took us into a shop, and he had two more of them, and they were both just as big. So it was it was pretty crazy. That thing, those things are cool. They got the the racks up there where you can mount your gun, and then they got the light, the lights where you just spin around in like a, what is it, probably two forty, and you just scan. And then there's one off the backside, so you got everything covered. And then he had like a little camera mount tra- uh, chair up there too. So it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it was cool. I, you know, I'd always heard about high rack hunting with lights. It's just kind of something that's synonymous with Texas. Um, so I, that's something I was really looking forward to being part of and getting to see how it worked in this truck, man. It was, it was crazy, the rack system on this thing. Um, and honestly, probably head height, if you were up standing on that rack, I'm guessing that your head was probably somewhere in the ballpark of 18 feet above ground level, you know, just to give you a how an idea of how high you were up, you know, the rack being maybe 12, 12, 12 and a half, 13 foot off the ground. Um, But yeah, it was crazy. I, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about how the hunt went and how we used that, but I was pretty excited when I first saw that truck. So when we started on the hunt, we got into the first day and the wind was like blowing, it was warm. What were your expectations at that point when you knew what the weather was going to be like?
1: Um, you know, I thought I thought the weather was okay, but the the wind was probably the biggest factor and the heat. Because not only have hot wind blowing in your face, but there's sand with it, and sometimes with the high wind, you're getting sand blasted in your eyes and stuff. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that bad, but it was still pretty bad. And then the heat, I got sunburned on the first day, pretty bad. I mean, it's still I still peeling skin off my arm that's dead. So
0: yeah, you know, the first day we had hunted some mesquite country, and you know, the plan was we were going to hunt from the high rack and actually use an you know, Wade says that is a tactic they use down there actually using the high racks during the daytime and kind of getting the call off, you know, with maybe a shotgun guy, you know, 50, 60, 80 yards away from the truck. Um, So Creighton was actually running the shotgun down by the call. Wade and I were sitting up in the high rack, you know, with the rifles. And, you know, we started off, we started off the trip on kind of a bad note, right. As we pull into the ranch, the toad gets a flat tire, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) you know, so, that kind of screwed things up from the get go. So we had to wait. Luckily in that oil country, there's lots of tire repair guys that that are used to traveling. So, um, you know, a tire repair service made their way out to fix the tire, but you know, it cost us the whole morning, which basically was the cool weather that day. And by the time we got that fixed, you know, it was 11 o'clock in the morning. It was already almost 75 degrees. Um, you know, I mean, at that point the coyotes are kind of laid up tight. And if you're not right on the coyotes, you know, a lot of times they're not going to respond. So, You know, we decided to make an executive decision and knowing that the weather was going to be warm the rest of that day and it was actually be just as hot and even windier. The next day we thought, you know what, let's go back and try to do some night hunt in this high rack, which is what I really wanted to do anyway. But obviously it's not great for filming, Um, but we thought it'd be fun. And and maybe Creighton could, uh, you know, maybe get his first bobcat in the lights. Yep. So that night when we got out there, you know, we made a run back towards, you know, closer to Wade's house. And um you know, the wind was blowing bad like 25: 30. We made what three or four stands that night.
1: Yeah, I think I think four four stands, trying was, to the wind was howling. It was probably worse than it was in the daytime. Yeah, it makes, it, makes it a little bit a little around. bit
0: tricky when you're standing twelve foot up in the air when that wind's hitting you. Huh?
1: yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a little bit different
0: <laughs> so so nonetheless, you know the first day goes by, and, and we don't kill any coyotes, don't kill anything at all. Um, the next morning, we decide, you know, with the weather, we're going to go out and hunt for a few hours in the morning, and then kind of, you know, chill out during during the middle part of that day. I actually did a podcast with Wade there in their studio um, for Ally Munitions, and uh, you know, that afternoon we loaded up and, and we're going to go out at night. So, let's go back to that morning though, when you killed your first ever Texas coyote. Walk us through that. yes so
1: the, we knew the weather was going to be cool. Uh, till about 11 o'clock and so we ran out just around around Wade's house on on the property that he's on and we were just going through stands and we came up to this place that had some deer feeders and there was this little I don't know like a like a windmill and and a whatever you call it like a big bucket
0: yeah big tank and
1: big tank yeah there you go and anyway, we were calling and, you know, it didn't, it didn't look like we were getting anything and you were running through, you know, predator distress sounds like rabbit and little Tweety birds and stuff like that. And eventually I look over and there's this cow standing there, you know, probably 80 yards in, in this tall grass. And so I alerted everybody and you'd switch over to this, this little, like, I don't know, vole sound or whatever yeah, little it was. Lipsqueaks. little lip squeaks. Yeah. And he come, he come trotting in and he looked like he was going to go downwind. So Wade was going to kill him. But then he kind of did this little step back thing and he started coming, you know, my way towards, towards the call. And eventually he stopped and I heard you do the the bark sequence or whatever that was. And so I just shot him before you could get him.
0: Yeah. You were lucky. I had just pulled the slack out of the trigger when you smoked him with the shotgun. Yeah. (laughs) And the way it turned out is you know i I really didn't figure that was going to be the last coyote that we you know killed on camera uh you know it, it turned out to be that way so you know you actually yeah, got the the only Texas coyote on film that we killed that trip
1: yeah you didn't even get to pull the trigger that trip <laughs> i
0: did I didn't I didn't but uh, it was awesome watching you shoot it you know that how far do you think that was when you shot the gun that coyote he was broadside he was That's kind good. of going to the left a little bit
1: well, I don't know, probably 45, 50 yards, something like that. It was a poke. I mean, it, it
0: hammered him, you know, Then, you know, three or four pellets, neck, shoulder. It, yeah. uh, it canned him. It was a great shot. Yep. Yeah. So that night, you know, the great thing about Texas is you have the chance of not only coyotes and bobcats, but there's tons of gray fox. And, you know, listening to all the stories of, of gray fox hunting, you know, we thought that this would be if we were just going to go try to kill something, trying to call in a gray fox would be the easiest of, of all three. So that's what we did that night. We loaded up the high rack, um, you know, and you remember we were just about to the ranch. We were going to hunt. And what happens? Oh,
1: yep. So we were were about a mile and a half away from where we are supposed to be. And this bobcat takes off running across the road right in front of us.
0: Right across the highway in front of us and goes and stands in the bar ditch and watches us drive by, right?
1: And he was licking his paws too.
0: (laughs) So we're thinking, wow. All right. This is great. Great news. Great sign. You know, right where we're going to be And about what? Eight, nine stands later that night, about midnight, we hadn't even, you know, we did call in that one coyote that kind of got in fast on us that we didn't We never got a well. You actually could have shot him in the light. I could have shot,
1: but I didn't. I didn't know what I was supposed to do because he he looked like he was coming, and Wade said he was coming, and then he just disappeared like it was nothing.
0: Yeah, we'd have never got it on footage. I mean, you'd have killed him obviously, but we just never would have got the footage of it. Um, Yeah, you know. But you know, we were specifically targeting gray fox. You know, and and through the sound, and when you're in an area that's you know has bobcats and has gray fox you know, my sound sequences and after talking to Wade and, and everybody else down there, you know, usually the the sound sequence for gray foxes usually play some sort of bird or rabbit. And then for, you know, three minutes and then play another different bird or rabbit for three or four minutes. And then once you get to maybe that seven, eight minute mark, you know, then you go into some gray fox distress. Um, and, and if I'm specifically targeting bobcats, I may even go a third prey distress, maybe even to the nine or 10 minute mark before I roll into that gray fox distress sound. Um, but when we gave her, heck, it was a beautiful night. Um, But for whatever reason, we could not get a gray fox called in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, hearing all those stories of those guys killing, you know, 80 plus, 60 plus gray fox down there in, in a singular night. I thought, just like you, I thought it was going to be the easiest thing. And we we're going to have them run left and right and it's crazy that we ended up killing a bobcat even before we killed a gray fox which is like the rarest thing you get down
0: there yeah so So let's fast forward so at this point we're scrambling because now we've been there for two days you know Wade obviously when we come when we go filming with guys there's a lot of unneeded pressure they don't they shouldn't feel the pressure but they do to, to obviously have some success so we can get some footage and at this point after two days all we had gotten was the one coyote that you killed you know on footage so Wade put in some calls and he was scrambling, trying to find us what we thought, you know, could be the best gray Fox country that, that we could get into to maybe get three, you know, a couple gray Fox on camera that morning, which would help make, make the episode. So, so we met up with his buddy and, you know, we got to hunting this place that uh, his buddy had lined up for us. And, you know, very first stand of the morning, Wade's kind of covering the downwind Creighton and I are sitting at the call with shotguns. And sure enough, first stand of the morning we hear a shot on the downwind and what happened
1: so we we didn't really know at the time all i hear is a shot and i'm like i'm like great we got one you know this is a good sign that that something's out moving we didn't know that it was a gray fox and, and uh wade's buddy joey he said that the, he's never seen a cow out on this property and that it's super rare to get about here which is Another another cool aspect of Texas that each section is different, like one section will be completely coyotes and then and bobcats and then the other section will have tons of gray fox and, and a bunch of bobcats. But anyway, he shoots right halfway through the stand and we're like, good. So we got a gray fox or a bobcat and we walk over the hill and he's like, it's a coyote. And we were all surprised. <laughs> and Joey was surprised. Was, yeah, I think was Joey crazy. was the most
0: surprised out of all of us because Joey had hunted this particular ranch for years, it sounded like I don't know exactly how long. Yeah. But he had never ever called in a coyote on this place, pretty much gray fox and bobcats only. And then for us to kill a coyote on the very first stand, you know, I he was shocked. And I thought, wow, this is gonna be this is gonna turn out pretty cool, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: So we work our way through, and you know. Two stands turns into four stands, four ter- stands turns into six, and we are not seeing anything. And Joey's getting a little, you could tell that everybody's baffled of how we cannot call in a, at least one gray fox, yeah. you know, at this point. Um, you know, remember then it started drizzling a little bit on us. Yeah, it got, you know? it got
1: pretty crappy. My clothes were wet, and my, my pants started getting wet, and it it was kind of rough there for a couple Couple stands,
0: <laughs> but we got down that. So, so let's finish this off with the stand you killed your bobcat on. How yeah. cool of a stand was that? That was really cool looking stand, wasn't it?
1: It was, it was pretty awesome. You know, we're set up kind of there's like this little half bowl looking thing, and it's just this sharp ledge all the way around the side. And then off to the, the left, there's or yeah, to the left, there's this little like it ends and it goes around in another little half bowl.
0: So it was like and an, down old, was an this, old dried up kind of crick bottom almost is what yeah, it was.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And anyway, so down in this bowl, there's cactus, you know, thick patches of cactus and all this yellow grass and stuff like that. And, you know, then there's these trees and little shrubs. and, and Lots then, and lots
0: of cover, right? I mean, it was thick all yeah. within a 300-yard circle around us. There was lots and lots of thick stuff, which is perfect yeah. when you're trying to call in cats. Yep. So Wade and I in the camp main camera sitting up high on the edge of the shelf. And I tucked you and Justin with the other camera right down on the call. What are you probably 20 yards from the call kind of right down to the bottom, hoping that, you know, with a coyote or gray Fox or Bobcat would get down in that bottom where we had the call, you know, you'd be able to dust it anywhere around that. Yep. But you were, so probably what, maybe four minutes in, I was playing a, I think I was playing lucky pecker. Um, yep. You know, so like I said, I'm rolling through, you know, my, my plan was to roll through a series of two or three prey distress sounds, maybe about three minutes each before it went into any gray fox fighting. Well, I think I was on the second series of prey distress sounds, which was Lucky Pecker.
1: Yeah, it was after the
0: rabbit. Yep. And I looked down and I noticed you, you and Justin are talking a little bit. So I know you have something coming, right? Yep. When did you first see that bobcat?
1: So I was just, I was just scanning like, you know, like you would normally do. And I looked over to the left and that little ledge that I described, um, he comes kind of like slinking off of it where he kind of like dragged his back legs down off and was, and was real low to the ground. And then that's when I alerted adjusted that, you know, we had a cat coming and he, we lost him there for a minute and a half, two minutes. And then I looked up over the call and there he was just sitting there licking his paws because he was all wet.
0: And that must have been about the time that we spotted him cutting across the other side of the creek across. There was a flat out there that had a lot of tall grass and a few yeah, scattered brush trees. We
1: couldn't see that far. That's past, when we lost but, him.
0: Yeah. So so at that point, I'm assuming that was probably the same thing that you had saw first. Um, but this cat's kind of, you know, he's well within killable range of a rifle. He's only about 80 yards. Um, and he's slinking his way across. And so at that point, when I'm reading whether it's a coyote or a bobcat, if he's he's not coming towards the call, a lot of times I'll switch up the sound to try to get them redirected so they're coming closer to the call, right? So Mm -hmm. when I saw him, I switched up the sound again, and he actually got on a little trail, it looked like, and he started working his way just a little bit closer. But as cats do, he got to maybe, I don't know, 60, 70 yards, and he checked up. And, you know, if you watch this episode, it's really cool because we'd had that drizzle, you know, the few hours before, and so the cat was was kind of soaked a little bit from this drizzle. And you remember him sitting there? Could you see him when he was sitting yeah. there licking his paw and licking his legs yeah. and trying to like he was cleaning himself up with the with the water on him?
1: Yeah, just Justin couldn't see him, but I could see him clear as day. He was he was almost taunting us a little bit, just sitting out there licking his paws. And and, you know, you guys were probably wanting to shoot him with the rifle. And, you know, oh, Wade, yeah, was just,
0: Wade was itching. Wade was wanting to whack him. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, here we go. There's this bobcat's not going to get away. At this point, you know, we're creating content, right? Yep. <laughs> so we want to see, okay, let's, and, and we're struggling. I mean, this is like only going to be the second thing we got on film the whole trip. I'm like, yeah, we need to make this count. So we were just patient and I kept switching through, I mean, you name it, any kind of squeaky sound from Tweety Bird back to Baby Cottontail Demise to Lip Squeaks, Lip squeaks to, here. uh, you know. Swamp Rat. Was Swamp Rat, one. I think was what finally, but so little <laughs> by little, this cat, you know, he would work at what? five, 10 feet at a time. And then he was going in between
1: the. He's going in between like the big thick cactus and stuff like that. And then he'd sit up real high and look at the call to make sure it was still there. (laughs) And then you get down real low and, and keep coming.
0: He sat the longest. He was probably only about 40 yards, 40 yards in front of us when he was in that mixed sitting in that cactus, that prickly pear cactus. And he sat there and I was, and I was the, the great thing about, you know, a lot of these lucky duck, predator calls as they got the built-in decoy so i was like i would hit the decoy and let it flicker a few times and then it would shut it off trying to you know just pretend you're you know trying to mess with your cat in your house you know and sure enough when he finally committed those last what 10 feet to the call probably yeah and he and he slunk down way low and he's just yeah like I his legs he... are moving but it's almost like he's on an escalator right like yeah he's like not he's even just moving, moving. slow mm-hmm. like it's it doesn't even look real when they get that close when they're Closing the distance on the call like yeah. that. What are you thinking at that point? When he got to that point, what what was going through your mind?
1: Well, I was I was thinking because my foot was on this, this rock that was kind of loose. So I'm thinking, oh God, if my foot slips, this is over. Like he is out of here. And I might get one shot at it running away with shotgun. But or not, he's gone. So I was I was sitting there and I was shaking so bad. It was kind of unreal. <laughs> Cause I'm just watched him. And then he got behind this brush and you know, at this point he's only
0: what, maybe six, six, seven feet from the call. If that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's focused on the call. So I'm like, all right, you know, this is the moment. So I, I draw my shotgun I take it off safety
0: and you already had your shotgun up on your knee. You already had it shouldered this whole time down on your bead. You were just waiting for the right time to squeeze one off, huh?
1: Yeah. Yep, so I I drew up on him. I put the bead right on his head, and then he's and then I noticed that he started, you know, wiggling like a cat does right before they're about to pounce. And you know, I seth Seth went back and he reviewed the footage right after he did it. And actually, as he jumped, I shot him.
0: That's cool. So that's
1: that's why I haven't seen the footage yet. So I'm yeah. the episode's
0: actually not out right now when we're recording this, but yep. um, I'm anxious to see that because you did it right because you know that's a fine line when you let cats get that close to the call you're right if that cat pounces and hits the call now He's we're absentee. shooting at a running cat you know through or the, brush. At
1: the call so
0: but it was a great shot dude. you smoked. you had a, pretty yeah. much like a broadside shot um, yeah he raked it right across his front half and and he died right there next to the call didn't even flinch really He's when you, when you smacked yeah. him. yeah Yep. and you had your first bobcat ever yep (laughs) on film to boot that's gotta be pretty cool yeah
1: i can't wait for that footage to come out
0: yeah joey man he hooked you up dude what he's gonna he's gonna make you a nice little european mount of the skull Yep.
1: yeah it's gonna be cool because the bbs are gonna be stuck in the skull and stuff like that yeah he
0: definitely he definitely had multiple pellets in his skull so it'll be kind of cool to see when you get that back see if they punctured all the way through or um, I, ho- you know how I that hope they looks.
1: Didn't destroy it, you know. But yeah, yeah, there's a possibility those those shells are lethal. <laughs> something ahead with that, it's not getting away.
0: <laughs> Heck yeah! Well, that'll be fun, man. I hope, uh, you know, like I said, the only two things we killed on film, you got to kill them both, so that'll be a pretty awesome episode. Um, yep. as far as you know, getting to watch you do some work with the shotgun, I know Dustin to be proud of you, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, buddy, that was a fun trip with you, man. Um, hopefully, when I'm old and crippled up someday, you'll be able to drag me around on some more coyote <laughs> hunts. You know, just remember that you're gonna have to repay me someday after all these yep. trips I take you on. You have to yep. deal with me old and being forgetful and and everything else.
1: <laughs> Yo. <Yep.
0: laughs> well, anything else you want to add before we close this up? Can you think of yeah, anything think... else we didn't talk about?
1: Um, I think I'm good. I. I don't really know what else to talk
0: about. No, I think we covered it pretty good. Hopefully everybody listening to this maybe gets a good idea. You know, if they were thinking about taking their kids out, you know, got to get kids out. And, you know, yeah. I know early on when I took you boys, it, was, it wasn't it was always the most fun. Uh, you know, it was a lot of work, you know, because not <laughs> only I'm, I'm trying to pack for myself, I've got to pack for you guys. Um, yeah. You know, I got to accommodate for you guys throughout the day. Um, ultimately, it's made me a better coyote hunter. Probably a better 80s, hunter in general. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, I look at you boys now as as you know, you and Carver are thirteen and fifteen. I mean, I can pretty much let you guys go on your own. And you're just like having another adult on coyote stand with me. So yep. you know, we're reaping the benefits now of of starting you guys young and, and getting you into the sport. So I'm excited to see what you boys do. Hopefully you don't try to, you know, bow up and, and whip me in any contest. I might just have to quit <laughs> doing contests when you guys start. Um, you know, just yeah. so so, when we get down for Christmas dinner and Thanksgiving and stuff, I don't have to listen to you guys cry and whine about how I beat you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, buddy, thanks for coming on the podcast with me, man. It was fun. Hope everybody enjoyed listening to the stories. Um, you know, if you're looking for info on myself, the best place to find it is coyotecraze.com. You can find uh, links to all the YouTube videos, links to all my social media. Links to the Coyote Schools and articles and things that I do from that standpoint. So, really want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen. Also, want to thank the partners that uh, make bringing you this podcast possible. We got Lucky Duck Predator Calls, Swagger Bipods, Six Hour Optics, Onyx Hunt, Cryptech Camouflage, Hornady, Black Rifle Coffee Company, and of course the Eastman's family for putting this all together. Be sure and check out Eastmans.com for everything they got to offer, including their tag hub service so until next time thanks for listening to eastman's predator pros podcast have a good one